Hello, and welcome to Recon Podcast episode number two. Recon is the Research and Education Collaborative Occultation Network. This is a project that directly involves teachers, students, community members, and scientists in the study of the outer solar system. I am today's host, John Keller, co-investigator for this research project. Mark Bowie is the principal investigator, and we will be trading off as we share in talking about our project in these podcasts. This podcast is produced for Recon team members and for anyone in the general public that might be interested in learning more about the outer solar system. We hope that these podcasts will provide useful information to help our team stay connected and current on the project, and we'll also be sharing current events in astronomy. For today's podcast, I will be focusing on the opposition of Jupiter, which is happening tonight as I record this message, um, as well as talking about the timing device that we use in the Recon setup called the IOTA VTI, and the information that that provides to our project. I'll then wrap up with a brief description of our next Recon event happening just this coming Thursday, involving an asteroid named Igui. While it is currently raining and cloudy here in San Luis Obispo as I record this podcast tonight, for those of you with clear skies, you may have noticed that at sunset tonight on April 7th, right as the sun was setting, the planet Jupiter was rising on the eastern horizon. The uh, astronomical term for this configuration is called opposition, with Jupiter being 180 degrees opposite the Sun. This occurs when the Earth is directly between Jupiter and the Sun. So tonight, as the Sun was setting, Jupiter was rising on the eastern horizon, and tomorrow morning, as the Sun is rising, Jupiter will be setting on the western horizon. At midnight tonight, halfway between sunset and sunrise, Jupiter will be passing at its highest point in the sky for tonight. Now astronomers get really excited about planets being at opposition because this is when the planet and the Earth are the closest that they will be in any given orbit around the Sun. And so the object, the planet, will be the largest in angular size that it's going to reach during any one of those orbits. So for anyone with a telescope, including all of our Recon team members, I encourage you to go out uh, within the next week or so to look at Jupiter while it is close to opposition. Features you'll want to look for include the bands of Jupiter, which are actually regions of high and low pressure systems, cloudy regions and clear regions in the atmosphere of the planet, uh, as the planet rotates every 10 hours on its axis. You'll also be able to see the Galilean satellites, Io, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto, which Galileo saw when he first looked at Jupiter several centuries ago. Um, and other features such as the Great Red Spot, which sometimes you get, I, sometimes you can get lucky enough to see through a telescope. Um, and definitely other features, um, this is when Jupiter will be its biggest and brightest um, during this season. It's also kind of cool as you're looking at Jupiter to think about the fact that NASA has the Juno spacecraft orbiting around Jupiter right now. Juno arrived at Jupiter on the 4th of July this past summer and has just completed its fifth close flyby of the planet um, back on March 27th, just a few, week and a half ago. Uh, the Juno mission is studying the interior of the planet Jupiter uh, with each of these flybys using the gravity of the structure of the inside of the planet and measuring how the spacecraft accelerates or decelerates as it's going towards and away from the planet to measure the interior structure of Jupiter. It's also, as it's doing this, coming super close to the cloud tops of Jupiter. Uh, this last pass, it came within 2,700 miles or 4,400 kilometers of the cloud tops of Jupiter. 
um, traveling at a speed of about 129,000 miles per hour, or roughly 60 kilometers per second. The Juno mission is designed to orbit around Jupiter 37 times over roughly a year and a half period for about 20 months um, before it will eventually be decommissioned and then uh, be sent into the cloud tops and into the interior of the planet um, at the end of its mission. Uh, it's been a great mission to date. All eight science, mission, science instruments are working properly on the spacecraft uh, and the mission is discovering all types of exciting things about the magnetic fields of the planet, the uh, structure and dynamics of the clouds, and the interior of Jupiter. Uh, side note, for any of you around San Luis Obispo, uh, planetary science fan Baganall, who's one of the mission um, scientists on Juno, is giving a public talk at Cal Poly this coming Wednesday night, April 12th, um, about the Juno mission as well as the New Horizons mission, um, which went past Pluto two summers ago. Um, uh, Fran has been a mission science mission has been a scientist on both the New Horizons mission and the Juno mission, and is giving a public talk at Cal Poly next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Not good for those of you up and down the network who aren't in San Luis Obispo, but just wanted to put in that plug if you happen to be in the area. For the remainder of this podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about an unsung powerhouse hero of our recon instrument setup the IOTA VTI box. We've had a number of questions from various team members about this, so I wanted to talk a little bit about timing and how we measure the times of when occultation events occur. The most important uh, element for measuring an occultation is knowing exactly when the Kuiper Belt object or TNO or asteroid passed in front of the star that we're measuring and when it stopped passing in front of the star that we were measuring, because those times, that start time and end time, um, along with the uh, knowing the speed of the object helps us measure exactly the distance um, of that limb of um, the measurement on the object. And so knowing when the occultation occurred and when the occultation stopped occurring is really important for getting a measure, an accurate measurement um, in our science goals. The way we do this is using the IOTA VTI box. This is the black box that's in between the camera of the recon setup and the computer recording device, which is our recording device. The IOTA VTI was um, developed for IOTA, the International Occultation Timing Association, which is a community of amateur astronomers who do great citizen science work around understanding asteroid occultations and doing asteroid occultation measurements. And VTI stands for Video Timing Inserter, which inserts a timestamp into every frame of video that we record from our camera. So the IOTA VTI is the time stamper. Um, how this shows up for us is that when our team members are looking at their video screens, when you're looking at your, the video recording that you're getting off of our camera setup, you'll notice a set of numbers along the bottom of the screen that's being produced by the IOTA VTI box. Those numbers at the bottom of the screen provide three main points of information. Uh, one, it tells you the number of, of global position satellite, GPS satellites, that were used to determine the position and timing on the um, location of the VTI box. Also tells you the time of the recording down to the nearest 100, 100 microseconds. And then lastly, it tells you the number of frames that have been recorded since the VTI was first powered on. So let's talk about each of those three pieces. I've provided a thumbnail on the podcast link for this podcast um, of the frame that I'll be talking about. Um, but on that thumbnail, you'll see it says P7 is the first number you see. That means that seven GPS satellites have been used to determine the position. Um, of the VTI box when this recording was made. 
Uh, the next set of numbers is three, um, three numbers separated by colons. Um, in this case, 08, 12, 47. This tells us that the recording time is um, eight, 8 hours, 12 minutes, and 47 seconds. Uh, this is the hours, minutes, and seconds in universal coordinated time uh, as determined by the GPS um, network. The next two numbers are a little bit fainter, um, but they're actually two four-digit numbers. Uh, in this case, on the thumbnail, 4133 and 4300. These are the hundredths of microseconds, um, or um, ten-thousandths of a second, um, on top of that GPS time. So for um, there's actually two numbers, and I'll explain why that is in a second. But this is, I would read this as 08-1247.4133, or 08-1247.4300. And then the last set of digits is a six, or is a certain number of digits. Uh, in this case, I see 14474. And then the last number looks like a four or a five. It's hard to tell which one that is. Um, and that's because this is the 1,444,744th or 144,745th frame after the GPS was turned on. So let's talk now about why we have these even and odd sets of numbers on the right-hand side of the IOTA VTI display. Um, when our camera, the Malincam, reads data off of the chip, off of the CCD, uh, it reads off the rows in either even rows or odd rows. So it reads off all the odd rows, uh, row 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, etc. reads all of those electrons off the chip, and then in the next set of readings it reads off all of the even rows, the 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10th row off the chip. And then it goes back to the odds and back to the evens and back to the odds and back to the evens. The IOTA VTI keeps track of that and is listing both the time when the odd electrons, the odd rows, were read off, and the time when the even rows were all read off. And that's why in our GPS IOTA display, you always have an, an even number and an odd number, which is the hundreds of microseconds in which the odd and the even frames were read off. And then similarly, the, the four and the five at the very end of this display, which are the last two numbers, that means that it was the fourth and the fifth um, frame that was read off um, since the IOTA was turned on. I'll put putting that all together is when we, after we've recorded our um, occultation data and that's uploaded back to Southwest Research Institute, we reconstruct each frame by putting together the even and the odd frames to get a full image um, of the even and odd rows put together. Um, but we now know exactly when the odd data was read off and exactly when the even data was read off um, given this IOTA VTI information. So that is the information that we're getting out of the IOTA VTI data. We do ask our recon team members to turn on their IOTA, box, IOTA VTI boxes very early on in the setup process because for several of the um, versions of the VTI box that we have, it takes up to five to 10 minutes for the VTI device to sync up with universal coordinated time and do a thing called an almanac update. Uh, many of our team members will get a message across the top of their screen that says Almanac updated by one second um, and something to that effect. This is related to the fact that we add leap seconds to our universal time calculation. Uh, these are added uh, periodically throughout uh, each decade. The last leap second was added on December 31st, 2016, and uh, the IOTA nodes needs a little bit of time to correct for that to add that extra leap second into the timing device display. 
That's why it's important to turn on the IDO box early on in the setup process when you first set up so that there's plenty of time to make sure that you're on actual universal coordinated time instead of just GPS time. So that's what that message is about. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, was the other two switches on the IDO box. Uh, there is a position versus timing switch. And as many of our team members know, you can flip back and forth between position and timing. When you flip to position, the IOTA box lets us know exactly the latitude, longitude, and elevation of the IOTA box when the recording was made. This lets us know, for those of you up in Oregon, what your latitude and longitude was up in Oregon, and if your telescope's down in Arizona, to know the latitude and longitude and elevation of where you were set up down in Arizona. So we have all of our team members make a five to ten, sec five to ten second recording of the, of the position information for every given night that you're making an observation. As well, there's a switch on that box called full screen versus TV safe. This is a very small detail, but important detail. Uh, we'd like everyone to have the IOTA boxes set to full screen mode. This places the numbers I was telling you about at the very bottom of the screen, um, almost at the very edge of the screen. And um, when we get the data back from our recon team members, Mark's automated software tools for analyzing occultation events are most effective when we're in full screen mode. Most all of our teams have already set their IOTA VTI to full screen mode, so you don't actually need to worry about changing this or flipping this during the night. You can just focus on the position versus timing switch, but it is useful to double check every now and then and just make sure that the IOTA VTI is set to full screen. So hopefully this helps clear up uh, any questions that people might have had about the IOTA VTI box. Uh, again, please feel free to send us additional questions that we can expand upon in future podcasts or on our website. And I just wanted to finish up by uh, wishing good luck to all of our teams, which will be out this coming Thursday evening uh, for our next full recon campaign event. Uh, this is an event involving an asteroid, 96 Eagly. Uh, it's a main belt asteroid, um, and again, we're helping support a group um, led by Frank Marchese and other folks who are using the very large telescope in Chile to do uh, reconstruction work to figure out the, um, the sizes and shapes of large asteroids. And they've asked us to help participate in this coordinated campaign involving an asteroid. Uh, the event will be happening at, um, uh, on April 14th at 5.48 Universal Time which is uh, Thursday night, uh, April 13th, around 10.48 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, which right now is the same as Mountain Standard Time. So all of our telescopes are on the same time, and this event's happening right around 10.48 p.m. The recording window will be shorter for this event than our typical Kuiper Belt events because we have lower uncertainties and we don't need to record for as large of a window. So teams should definitely check out the event detail page on our Recon website to know when you should be recording, but it'll be a shorter, closer to two minute recording versus a versus a longer recording. There is again a high probability of success for this event. It's up to 87% at this point, weather permitting. And so we again encourage all of our teams to go out on Thursday evening um, and actually go out before then to practice, but um, good luck on Thursday night with hopefully clear skies and this opportunity to have a successful occultation recording of 96 Eagly. Thanks again for the opportunity to, um, thanks for listening to this first podcast that I've done. Again, Mark and I are both new to podcast production, and we will hopefully improve as we go through the rest of the year. Uh, and please send us any questions or comments or thoughts of additional topics that you'd like us to discuss. To discuss. 
Thanks again. Go Recon. Bye-bye.